0: Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up. Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota. SA's number one Toyota dealer. Triple M's Real Football Show. Oh, what a goal! Where Chris Dickmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball.
1: Terrific run! Super finish!
0: The Triple M Real Football Show.
1: Ah, uh, no we Kid today, but we are here, Val, and I'm very
0: excited because we're about to talk to John Aloisi. What's he doing? An absolute legend, by the way. Well, he's currently working for Optus Sport, and uh, he covered a Champions League match this morning, PSG in Manchester City. And I can't believe,
1: I can't believe, he's not coaching. No, he's not doing anything. So he's working with Optus, as you say, but uh, yeah, not involved in... He, he needs to be involved in football in Australia, someone like John Aloisi. Yeah.
0: this guy here, Adelaide <laughs> Bourne, the only South Australian to score a goal at, the, at a World Cup. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and and this is when Timmy Cale scored the couple against Japan in 2006. He yep. got us to... The World Cup and that from that penalty kick in yep. two thousand and five. Yep. yep. Played in the best three leagues around the world. Yep. Like you, you know, like England, Spain, Italy. Yeah. Has got an amazing network, and he's on the periphery of the game. I, I can't mm. believe it.
1: Yeah, anyway, we'll ask him why, and tell us about Ante Juric. He's about to
0: join us as well. Well, Ante Juric, he was. Uh, I mean. Fantastic coach for Sydney FC, W League side, and he got the team to the grand final. They won the premiership and they lost the grand final. But he was with Alan Stajic, the coach who was unbelievably dumped a couple of years ago. He's now leading Central Coast Mariners. At the height of when the Matildas were at the top of their game, ranked fourth in the FIFA rankings and really going somewhere. And at the moment, after these two games they played against uh, Germany and the Netherlands, then they copped 10 goals and scored two. I want to get Arte's take on where he thinks they're going to be at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, yep. and then for the, the World Cup in 2023. All right, plenty to come on The Real Football Show. And here's Kennedy. Miyamoto looks spent there. Aloisi, Viduka's offside. Aloisi will have to go by himself. John Aloisi does
1: go by himself! The crown and glory for Australia, John Aloisi, and the sp- knew he couldn't pass it. Head down, through, on and on. You could see signs moments ago that Japan had gone, legs weary, in the sultry heat. The glory Aloisi. days of John Aloisi, uh, one of our own products here. And uh, how many times do you reckon we've replayed the uh, the penalty kick as well that well, sent why. Australia through to the world? How many times have you seen it,
0: Val? I'd say at least the 1,000. Yeah, it has to be.
1: <laughs> I wonder how many times he's watching. John Aloisi, welcome to The Real Football Show. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. How many times have you seen that penalty kick?
2: Um, every morning. I
1: wake up to it. <laughs> and so you should. Why not? Why not celebrate these great things? Um, we, uh, we see you with the Optus Vision these days, so you're working as an Optus pundit. What else are you up to, John?
2: Uh, not much. That's that's about it at the moment. It's keeping me busy because uh, Champions League football, uh, we, we cover the Premier League as well. And we've got the Euro coming up, which is exciting because uh, this Euro, there's about eight nations that you believe can win it. It's uh, probably one of the closest that you will have. Uh, for a long time and uh, yeah so that's keeping me busy and I just love watching football Um, and but of course one day I'd like to get back into coaching.
1: Fantastic we'll talk about that in just a moment but you know Val every time John's name comes up and I used to run into Ross a heck of a lot around South Australia and around football grounds I think you've got a unique record John I reckon you might be the only Australian to have played in all the or what I would call the three best leagues in the world would that be right is there anyone else? I'm talking English Premier League, Spanish, and Lali- and obviously, yeah, Lali- Italy, Italy.
2: Yeah, so yeah, no, there's no one else that's uh, played in the three top yeah. leagues. They, look, there's been players that have played in those
1: leagues, but not in all three. Yeah, so, it's, it's an amazing yeah, it's a- record. It
0: really is. It's not going to happen again by a long shot. I don't no, think nah, either. But
1: to think a boy from Adelaide would play in those <laughs> yep. three, the best three in the. You did, did you get you went across as like a 15 year old, I think, didn't you? I went over at
2: 16. I went to Belgium um, and spent uh, two and a half years in Belgium, then across to Italy and, uh, and then England and Spain. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a great experience. At the time, it, you don't really probably uh, take it all in because you're just so focused on playing and, and doing your best. But uh, now looking back, you know, it was, uh, it was a great experience. No,
1: it's amazing.
0: A living legend. And yeah. I don't think this game appreciates. I know, I know I'm, you know, patting you on the head a little bit. <laughs> John Aloisi so much in Australia, which is a real shame. But uh, you don't have to answer that. But, John, just with regards to, obviously, there's a lot of action happening now. The Oli Roos are getting their campaign happening soon. They're getting ready for Tokyo. The World Cup qualifiers, the Socceroos, and Arnie's got um, a massive job of of looking after both sides, and the Socceroos have got qualifiers. They should easily get by in this uh, second round. How do you see the Socceroos at this point in time?
2: Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think that they'll easily get by. They've got Kuwait, uh, Chinese Taipei, uh, Nepal, uh, and Jordan. So the Jordan's probably the strongest team out of that. Kuwait, uh, yeah, they're not bad. But, you know, we should qualify through this group easily. And then after that, it, you know, it starts to get a little bit more difficult. Arnie's got a hard job because, look, they haven't played for uh, it's nearly a year and a half or, or whatever it is. And, um, and the players that he 's able to select from aren 't playing at the highest level, and what I mean by the highest level, I mean those three big leagues, yeah. and, uh, you know, even the Bundesliga and so we haven 't got the, the talent pool as we used to have, but you know, I think Arnie's doing a good job when we have played and uh, he's able to get results with the, the squad that we 've got. Um, but you know there's, there's it 's a big six months coming up. The Olympics is a big one because they 've got a tough group, uh, but we have got some good young players in that Olympic side.
0: It's always hard not to make comparisons, but I want to go back, you know, 15 years ago, the, the 2006 Socceroos and the players in that side and, and the, the leagues and the clubs where they came from, it was, a, it was a super, super Socceroos side. It was unfortunate, you know, the Italians locked you out way back then when I thought Gus Hiddink should have brought you on way, way before, but anyway, it didn't happen. I mean, moving on 15 years, and we're talking about development, you know, the curriculum, and I don't see those same sort of players coming out, you know, like like you did, like Vinnie Grella, like Bresciano, Mark Viduca. Why isn't this happening anymore?
2: Oh, look, there was definitely a bit of a gap when the NSL ended and the A-League started. You have to remember that a lot of those NSL clubs had the grassroots academies, you could say, um, and, you know, the A-League have only just started with those just the last couple of uh, seasons. So it, it, there's a bit of a gap there. It will take a few years to get that uh, back to a level. And, um, yeah, we, we've sort of gone backwards instead of moving forwards like the rest of the world. So uh, we've got some, you know, decent young players coming through. It will take a little bit of time. But, uh, you know, we need to start producing players that are playing at that level overseas and in Europe in the best clubs and best leagues in Europe. Um, but sometimes the A League is an easy, you know, fallback for them if they don't yeah. make it straight away over in Europe, and, and that that can be a bit of an issue as well.
1: Johnny, I want to ask you. This is going to be a lengthy question, but and it, but it's, a, it's a, hopefully the answer of what we're just talking about. I've I've um, been a father who, who's watched my son go through things like Corva, for example, when he was a young boy. Then he's been, you know, in squads in South Australia, and then I've seen him play. Um, you know NPL within his own state so I've seen what juniors can go through here locally I'm interested to know that you as a 15 or 16 year old when you went to Belgium was it because you were just born good did you go through great systems did you have great coaches and all of those players in 2006 do you believe that we had the system right in Australia at the time that we no longer have or again were, were you all just very talented and you came through at the same time do you, do you have an answer to that? Oh
2: look, there's not one thing that you can actually uh, put your finger on. Look, I, I have to say I had a, a good, very good coach, junior coach, because it was my old man. Uh, if I don't say <laughs> right. that, he'll get angry.
0: <laughs> but that's so true. It's so true.
2: Yeah. So, so, but what? what I don't think our coaches or our curriculum or our pathway was it was great back then. I think what we did have, and and this is where we lost it a little bit. We had the, and I remember growing up in Adelaide, uh, playing for Adelaide City, and we virtually had um. You know, a rivalry in in every game. You know, yeah. when we played the the Raiders, it was uh, you know the Italians against Croatians. I know yeah. you don't like to look at it like that, but that that was our upbringing. And then we, you know, we had West Adelaide. It was Greeks, and then yeah. then we had you know uh, Salisbury. That was uh, a little bit more English orientated. So you know, with that, it became that you know every game meant something because you, you were you're playing against the you know different nationalities, different styles, because they're coached by mm. a lot of the dads that come from you know, different places around Europe. And uh, and so I think we grew up a little bit different in that sense, whereas now everyone follows the same system, everyone follows the same, um, you know, coaching yep, yep. Uh, curriculum. Boring. And, yeah, and, and you, what are you producing? You're producing uh, robotic players, yeah. you know, if you like, whereas we haven't produced, and Jay McLaren's probably, and Adam take it, the only two real natural strikers that we've got coming through. We used to have strikers for fun. I remember growing up and playing against Paul Agostino um, in the under fourteen, yep. and uh, you know that's just in Adelaide. Yep. Uh, you know, so I think there's a lot of things that we need to go back to. And look at what we did, but also move forward with the rest of the world and, and, and produce and have good coaches, which I think we are producing better coaches now
1: well I've still got a couple of questions on this point, if you like, but therefore what, what would what would us kids that are say from five to eight years of age in Italy or Spain be doing as opposed to or, or, and how are they being coached do you think, as opposed to what would five to eight year olds in in Adelaide or any other city here be doing?
2: That's a good question. I don't know exactly what they're doing over there that's so different. I think at that age, we're pretty similar in terms of the way we are uh, coaching our kids. I think when it starts to get a little bit that we we fall behind is, you know, 12, 13, 14, we don't play enough games. Mm. Over there, their kids will play, you know, 60 odd games. Um, And, you know, I think we overcoach here sometimes. The coaches, uh, you know, at junior level, and I'm talking young level, I'm talking that 12-year-old, are overcoaching the players. You know, sometimes you need to put them in in situations that they're they're actually uh, discovering it themselves a little bit, you know. No one could teach me how to be a striker. Mm. It was actually me actually watching the the best strikers in the world, Serie A, um, back then on SBS, um, and then, you know going out there and and just playing a lot of games of football we used to play you know if it wasn 't games it was uh you know that were with my club, it was with my mates you know at yep. the park yep. uh, with my brother in the backyard you know the, all those things add up and so you can 't just have coaching from your coach, you need to actually do yeah. more and extra and and actually you know play street football if you like with your mates in the in the in the suburb yeah.
0: don't see that that often yeah and you make good points about you know back in the day and playing against clubs with different origins the greeks the italians the poles you know what else i've noticed as well through through the and this is my opinion through the state system so kids get picked up they stay in the system for 3 or 4 years then they're shopped around to all the clubs so there's no loyalty anymore there's no fear. There's no sense of belonging to a certain club, and I think that some of these clubs have actually lost their way. They, they've lost yeah. their origins.
2: Yeah. Look, my my dream, Val, and and you know you've known me since I was a kid. My mm. dream was to play for Adelaide City in yeah. the NFL, and yeah. uh, and so when I first moved to Adelaide City as a seven year old, that's all I wanted to do. That was my club. That yeah. was where I spent all my uh, weekends. Uh, first at the junior club and then uh, later on to watch the first team in the the National League. And uh, and so that was, you know, a dream to actually play for them in the National League. And so you're right there. I I think that that's that's lost a little bit Mm. because of, uh, first of all, you know, the academy's not being formed with uh, the A-League side. I still think we need a second division. I think that's really important. And then eventually we need promotion relegation because then there'll be more opportunities for younger players and, you know, they, they don't need to go and change clubs all the time because maybe their club might be involved in a second division and have that chance of yeah. getting promoted.
0: And I remember, what, nearly 30 years ago, your only appearance actually in the NSL for Adelaide City where uh, I think it was against Melbourne, Croatia, and somebody two-footed you, two-footed challenge and somebody ran over the fence and clobbed the player with an umbrella. Remember that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't condone that, but that was front, that was front page of the paper in the Adelaide, the, Adela- the, Adela- the advertiser. And, uh, you know, on my debut, I got in the front page, but it wasn't for a good thing. It was just someone the fence.
0: So, John, just – I can't believe that – I mean, you said you want to coach at the top yes. of uh, the interview. I, I cannot believe you're not in our system in Australia, given – the experience and all the links that you had you've spent your own money you've gone to spain you've gone to italy you've gone to england you've talked to the best coaches in in, in the world and here we are we're still uh waiting for you to get the next gig
2: yeah i oh, look as i understand that the, what it's like with coaching you know uh when you're in uh it feels like uh, you could stay in forever but uh, you know it can quickly change and uh, you you have to wait for that next opportunity sometimes it will come you know when you're not really expecting it i hope that i get involved again uh, at you know especially here in australia but I, I definitely want to coach, and I know I'll get back in, you mm. know, somewhere eventually.
1: Good on you, John. Thanks so much for talking to us. Very, very enjoyable chat, and uh, yeah, let's hope we see you back coaching real soon. And good luck with your work at Optus too.
2: Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me on. There All he is, you,
1: John Aloisi. Terrific player. Terrific bloke. Goalkeepers Heidelberg United playing against Sydney Olympic. The semi-finals of the Johnny Walker Cup, and what a nice looking ball. header.
0: The first goal for his new club, and it's the goal that has Olympic ahead for the first time of the game, and two goal ones. Ante Urich.
1: now, tell me, Val, what year was that? How far are we going back? I oh, don't know, ask, oh, uh, uh, are <laughs> I don't remember, I think it's 93
3: or 94, I think I think I had good head of, head of hair back then, I think.
0: Black and white TV as well? Yeah. <laughs> that How many goals that. did you end up scoring the NSL?
3: had a few, uh, 18 to 20, I think, something like wow. that. It wasn't bad for 200-something games for a defender, I guess. One yeah. won every 10 or 12 games. That's not right. Yeah, very good. Not many with the head, too,
0: by the sport. A great <laughs> defender as well. Football. Imposing. But, yeah. uh, Ante, congratulations on winning, obviously, the W League Premiership with Sydney FC. And, you know, it didn't happen in the grand final. But I, I want to get to the Matildas. And, obviously, you played a big part back when Alan Stagic... Uh, you know, was the coach of the team before he mysteriously was was out and you now he's doing well with the Central Coast Mariners. So the Tokyo 2020 games are coming up, and obviously the World Cup, we've won it in 2023. And then I've just, a couple of weeks ago, watched two performances against the Netherlands and Germany and thinking, what is going on with this side? And they're saying, you know, it was a weekend side, and you know, we haven't played for a year. How did you see it?
3: Yeah, uh, disappointing, I, I've got to admit. Um, I think it's the first time in 26 years that they've lost 5 0 back to back and first time 5 0 in 13 years. So that tells a story in itself. Um, so that's not ideal, not ideal for a lot of things. One one big one is confidence. Yeah. Um, they did have a few players out, from my understanding, but in saying that, I've read a few things where, I mean, Germany had five players out, yeah. That's I think, only two or three, but. You know, so that all evens out. So um, probably rather than looking for those kind of excuses, we've got to find, you know, to the matter of probably why we lost, uh, why we we're so far off. You know, losing is okay to those things, you'd think, but because they are, I think, what are they, four and three in the world? Or yeah. Something? So it's no, no discredit, but to lose so easily, and it could have been eight, nine, ten, really, you know, those who
0: watch the game. Yeah. So
3: disappointing for me, but, you know, Let's see if we can improve on that, or we should improve on that, shouldn't
0: we? How, how, how do you see it being corrected? Because there's a medal to go for. And, and you know, when you were in the, in the system with, with Stadge, there was talk about Australia being a serious medal contender. And, and Stadge always said it, you know, it, eventually he's preparing the team to, to win the World Cup and he never got around to doing it. I mean, so how, do, how are they going to correct this and get themselves back on track? It's
3: going to be difficult, um... With the short turnaround, uh, for the World Cup, potentially, all right, that's an uh, easier thing to plan for. But now with the, what, two or three months to the Olympics, you know, I'm a little bit worried uh, from a fan's perspective about that and where the team is and where the team can get to um, in, in a lot of ways. In terms of the World Cup, yeah, we've got a bit more time. We definitely need to blood some new players. I think that's long overdue. Um, I think that should have happened... In the last two years or so, but it hasn't, um, and I think that's why we're in a bit of a predicament where we are. Uh, yeah. In terms, there's not really a lot of fresh players in there. Um, I think we've got some good enough players to get or should have got a bit of a chance, more of a chance, and get them ready for this Olympics and uh, potentially the World Cup. But it needs to be done soon,
0: uh, straight away, really. We just uh, we spoke to John Aloisi a little bit earlier and we're talking about the Socceroos. And I've noticed this year in the W League, there's so many good players that obviously didn't play in the W League, you know, a la Sam Kerr, for example. It gave the opportunity for younger players to come through. And there was a bit of a drop in the standard, in my opinion. But could this be the solution? Like, we, we saw this 25-odd years ago when Aloisi, Viduca Uh, not so much Timmy Cowell, Schwartzer went overseas, new players come through, and we got this second generation. Do you think this will happen as well?
3: You think so, because the quality is there. You know, Kyra Cooney Cross is a good example. Um, We've got a couple in Sydney FC. Uh, You know, you can go around the whole league and there's that two or three that are good enough, not good enough now, but they're good enough to be involved and get some experience and they'll make their mistakes. And then, They'll succeed. Um, we don't give them that. We haven't given those girls the opportunity to fail first, or not fail, but learn from mistakes, mm. and then get there. So, yes, W League, they're going to get their chances and play, but they need the opportunity at, uh, for Australia um, to play and make a couple of those mistakes or be with those older girls. Um, so that's important, not just the W League environment because that's fine, but then they need a bit of time in the materials. That's why I like. You know, I think it's a good idea to get two or three every year to blood them a little bit in that environment and then they get their experience that way. But but you're right, yeah, in terms of uh, the W League will help, I think, with these youngsters and just giving them a good opportunity. But you know what, W League's twelve weeks yeah a mm. season, so we'll see, it's, uh, you know, it's gonna only help so much.
1: It seems like a massive overhaul needs to happen, doesn't it? We, we know from, from history that, that, that if players play a lot more games, they improve. You've got to have time on the ball. You've got to have time training, time involved with coaches. A 12-week season isn't going to do that. That needs an overhaul. I want to ask you about the level below that as well. If I went to the National School Girls Championship, for example, Ante, what am I seeing in Australia at the moment? Are you, are you happy with the depth? Are we bringing through enough you know, girls in that 15 to 18 age group that are, are capable?
3: They're better players, in my opinion. So I've been involved a little while now with the girls' maybe ten years, and I was TD on Australian Australian Women's uh, a while ago, um, and you could see the girls getting better. The the only issue potentially is at the moment there's twenty excellent girls in that age, every age group um, within Australian standards. Let's not talk about Europe yet, but um, and that's sort of it. Uh, so. Competition amongst their peers is not great. Mm. So, you know, let's use the New South Wales Institute at the moment. There's a group of 15-year-old girls, who are 14 and 15, who are topping the table in the under-17 comp in MPL. So it shows you wow. they are the best of the best, but it yeah. shows you this kind of standard and the difference between the best and the, the solid girls, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so the MPL is improving, but it's still not... You don't have 100 girls to pick, um, which needs to improve, I think.
0: Yeah, you've got a really uh, small um, little group to pick from. Just switching to the men's game, and obviously you're in charge of uh, Sydney Olympic, the NPL side. What I've noticed this year, and I've watched a few NPL games on um, the TV, what do they call it, NPL TV, from New South Wales, uh, from Victoria. I've seen a couple here in this state. I've noticed either the NPL teams have bridged the gap – to yeah, the A-League, yeah. or the other way around, or the A-League's actually dropped. How, how have you seen it?
3: Yeah, I think it bridged the gap. Um, I don't know if the A-League's dropped. It probably has in some some ways. Um, but, yeah, I think the NPL's improved. But also what I think is there's more exposure. Um, the people can actually see there's good players there. Uh, I'm a little bit shocked that some A-League clubs or coaches haven't selected a lot more NPL players, mm. um, because they're decent quality, and me being directly involved now, there's a couple at Olympic where I'm shaking my head, thinking how are they not in the A-League? Um, Who are they? So it's maybe a little bit of yeah, they are good, and you can go sprinkling you could go around, I reckon you could get easily 30 to 40 players from easily playing the a from probably Australian NPLs, and that's probably um, taking it back a little bit, but just again, it's opportunity um, you know, someone having some guts to have a look around outside of potentially League or international and just find that, you know, diamond in the rough. And they're
1: very good players there. They really are. Ante, no doubt about that, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for your time and uh, all the best with your, your exploits in the game moving forward.
3: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me again, Alex.
1: Good on you. There he is, one of the great coaches uh, over is. a long, long time. Ante, and a very good player too. Ante Juric here on The Real Football Show. <laughs> the 2021 carabao cup final is underway with manchester city from right to left in the first 45 minutes against tottenham hotspur under new management league cup trophy who will it be up go the head so in laporta scored for manchester city giving that free kick away doesn't need to but it gives manchester city the opportunity to put a ball in the box And Laporte doesn't disappoint. He just attacks it more. Sissoko's marking him. He gets above him. The big centre-back is a towering header. Glances it perfectly, even with... There you go. Some of the highlights from the EPL last weekend. Uh, Tell us about the big games this week, Val. Actually, I'm getting
0: really worried that Manchester City are going to win everything. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Well, they've... I'm not really a fan. They uh, had a good result this morning against PSG away in the Champions League. Yep. So, you know, edging closer to the final. Albie went out on a limb a few weeks ago, didn't he? said they're going to win the league as well. Yep. English Premier League. Yep. And uh, Carabao Cup, who's going to stop them? They've got a fantastic coach as well. And... I don't know. But anyway, the game's this week, so we've got Southampton. So i Hampton just quickly and- look at last
1: weekend, though. Yeah? i to see Leicester win again. To see them sitting third on the table I think is absolutely fantastic because we talk about it a lot, but we are all sick and tired of the same six sides at the top. For Leicester to get in there, they won the title just a few years ago. Uh, I just think it's great that they mix it with
0: the big It players. is, I really but do. You're, you're always going to get the six. And this is every big league in, in Europe, Germany, Italy, yep. Spain, because they've got the money. But anyway, they're sitting third. Leicester, I think it's good. And the good thing too, they Vardy stayed there. Yep. After they won that, I mean, that premiership they won back in 2016, for me, that that was the best thing that happened to yep. English football. In a long, and long time. I think. Maybe 50 in, years. In my, lifetime, yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah, you might be right. So Crystal Palace take on Man City, edging closer to the, uh, the Premiership. Brighton v Leeds. Now, Brighton need points.
1: Uh, I, they're probably safe, but they'd want a win or two just to get clear of that relegation zone because I reckon they're, they're probably only about one or two wins out of it, really, or
0: losses out of it, I should say. Derby, London Derby, Chelsea take on Fulham. Chelsea in another good spot to actually enter the Champions League final as well after a good result against yep. Real Madrid. Yep. Everton take on Aston Villa, Newcastle, Arsenal, and Arsenal, uh, I think they're in the Europa League tomorrow morning. Manchester United take on Roma in the Europa League, but they take on Liverpool in the yeah, big game. Yeah, that's a big few days, isn't it? Massive Spurs, Sheffield United, your team West Brom. Well, I think they're dead, mate.
1: Look, they probably are,
0: but I'd still like to see us keep winning because
1: you just never know. Well, I reckon we're two wins away. We're behind Brighton. You'd have to be um, Wolves. That's going to be difficult. Mm. Big local derby as well. And and, and Burnley uh, take yep. on West Ham. Yep. All right. So that is the EPL coming up this weekend over the next few days. Uh, tell us about the hot topics in the world. I want to come close to home first up. Carl Viet had a bit to say about the VAR, the coach of Adelaide United, Val. Yeah, he did. and uh, Everyone talks about the VAR. It is horrendous. Why can't they get it right? I prompted him last
0: weekend after they lost that game. Um, and... In my opinion, and and Carl verified it, the broadcast hasn't got enough cameras. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many cameras they had at that game, but I wouldn't say any more than four. Right. And that's the minimum for VAR. Yep. And this is where I've approached FIFA maybe 18 months ago. I said, you need to increase the cameras because- Yeah, but
1: tell me this. Isn't it a matter of like a couple of little handy cams or something? Just- Strategically placed. I don't, I
0: don't know what it, it's not fair on the. It wouldn't on, take a lot of expense, it, would it? It's not fair on the on the VAR officials as well because if you give them a, a horrible camera angle yeah. and, and you expect them to call the referee mm. on the pitch, mm. it's not going to happen. Mm. So, in my opinion, and we saw at the World Cup, thirty three cameras mm. were available at the Russian World Cup for the VAR to look at. Hang on, and here we've what, got per ground. Yeah, you can't have thirty three. Thirty three. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the extreme. <laughs> I think so, but. You've got to have more than four. And if there's not more than four, and I reckon FIFA should change the rule, ditch it. You can't yeah, have VAR have on your league. Yep, yeah, don't have it. And and we've seen so many games correctly called because of VAR, but then there's lengthy delays because the referee cannot see the proper angle. And Colvi was right, I think, on the weekend. So the second goal, Adelaide conceded. There was a handball before that second goal went in. But, right. but the handball was inconclusive. There was a handball... In that first goal as well. But it's it's something I think, you know, that there's a new broadcast deal happening. Um, I think, I'm not sure if Fox is going to be in the mix, but there's talk about Stan. They've got to bring technology to that contract table as well. You can't say, okay, you can run with four cameras and, and away we go and, and keep VAR. All right, moving on. Uh, Women's World Cup. Uh, what's your topic there, Val? Your yeah, indes- well, so the Women's World Cup, and I've just looked at, the tournament regulations in France as a guide. So each host city should have four training sites for the tournament. Right. Which means the federation at the moment in this state has got the Jep's Cross football centre, which is currently under construction. So there should be another three training venues. What actually bothers me a lot, as a lot of these new pitches being built are not the mandatory 105 metres by 68, which is a FIFA requirement, so they're not going to be in the picture. They're 100 by 64. So they're going to have to go to the older clubs, like Adelaide City. Yep. He's got probably the right size. Adelaide Blue Eagles is probably the yes. right size. But, but which is good, yep. because the money can be spread out. Yes. So this is... This is big, and hopefully the money goes to the right people mm. in, in in the game. Yep. That's what I want to see. All right. Now, yesterday uh, I hit out on Twitter. Matthew Leckie. Remember Lex playing at Adelaide United? Yes, for sure. What, what a dynamite player. Yeah. Melbourne City is apparently his destination club for the new season. He's holding the, He's heading there. Yeah. So... Um, I got this from a very, very good source who I trust like a brother <laughs> yesterday. Right, you're right. No, and um, it's Melbourne City, even though the coach of Melbourne City, Paddy Kisnorbo, denied it. This is before the tweet went yep. out, but yep. I'm hearing it's it's a done deal.
1: All right, it'll be great to see Matthew Lecky playing back in the league. Val, that is it for us this week. You've been listening to The Real Football Show. We'll do it all again next week. Enjoy your football wherever you are.
0: Triple M's The Real Football Show Catch-Up, Saturday mornings from 7am for CMI Toyota, SA's number one
3: Toyota dealer.